Hell yeah, this is fancy. Yay! And those lovely people are Chris and Kevlin, who we are going to be interviewing with in a couple of seconds here. But first, let's take a moment and we're just going to say hello. So I'm Megan and I'm here with my husband, Alex. Hey, how's it going, guys? And this is our first podcast and it's pretty great in my opinion. So Alex, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, we're super excited to do this as a little side project of ours. We're personal trainers. Uh, so obviously kind of helping people is our passion, just making people feel better and move better. That's what we're all about. Um, one of our other passions is just going out to eat and drink. And in doing that, we've just met a bunch of awesome people in the service industry. So uh, we said, why not kind of combine the two and uh, just kind of have a cocktail, talk to some interesting folks and see where it leads. Yeah, so today we're here with Chris and Kevlin. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we talk about a little bit of everything from fitness to food to alcohol to the state of the world to where to go for Armageddon and doomsday prepping. A little bit of everything. So we hope you'll stick with, stick with us for an hour. Um, we've definitely had some like cuts and technical stuff, but I think it goes okay. And we're real excited about it. So thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. As we're hanging out here, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. What are you guys making right now? Cocktail wise? Um, I'm having a, a grapefruit truly. Oh. I don't know what Christopher's making. I'm currently sanitizing a bottle of beef eater that I purchased earlier today, and then I'm going to dump it over some ice and add Diet Coke for a classic Big Dirty. We recently discovered what a highball is last weekend. Yes. Because we're cool like that. Like the the general term or a specific <laughs> kind of highball? Wait, say that again? We lost, we didn't get you. Oh, yeah, just the general way of what a highball is. Oh, meaning like the thing you drink all the time? Yeah, I was about to say. So like the cocktail you always have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm going to ask for a highball now. <laughs> So I think that's what the difference is. Well, this is the, you know, this is kind of the, the, the joke of the whole thing is that, you know, in Japan, the highball is very specifically meant to be, you know, Japanese whiskey and soda water. Um, so they sort of like, there's a cultural difference. And then when they brought it to the United States, they basically tried to like commandeer the term highball. So when, when you go into, you know, a place that has a, a highball machine from Beam Suntory and you say, I want a highball, then you get a, you know, a Toki and soda or a Beam and soda. But I, I was the thing that always made me really mad because it was like, guys, a Jack and Coke is a highball. A vodka soda is a highball. It's a category. You can't just steal the word <laughs> and make it mean one thing when it actually means lots of things. But that's, that's just me being crotchety. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're well accustomed to moving. I was about to say. I don't think it's that crotchety because when somebody orders a highball from me, I'm like, I'm gonna need more information. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. This is a drink I can absolutely make, and my favorite thing to make because I can do it in three seconds. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we gotta have a little bit more of a conversation. <laughs> a little deeper. 
Exactly. I was hoping you guys could tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you're doing before coronavirus and everything shut down. And I'd love for Kevlin to go first. Oh, okay. Um, well, my name is Kevlin Hayes. Uh, I am a bartender, or at least I was a bartender. I hope to one day be a bartender again. <laughs> um, and as of March 16th, we all know, bars and restaurants shut down. Um, so I have been out of work since then. Yeah. How's it been going? It's been okay. You know, I think there, I think for everybody, there are good days and bad days. Um, I, it was a rocky start for me, like mentally and emotionally. I didn't know what to do with myself and um, being a person who like suffers from anxiety and some, some depression as well. Um, I just had a really hard time figuring out my rhythms. Um, and it was really just in the last month, so of the three months, it's really been the last month that I sort of like relaxed a little bit and have been more like comfortable with like, this is where we are now. This is what your day looks like. Find something to do with yourself. Nice. And uh, Chris? Yes, my name is Chris Marty, and I was in the bar business up until March 16th. I'm still technically in the bar business because I am continuing to take on piles of debt to pay rent for a bar that I can't use. Um, I've been in the bar business since I was about 13. I've been behind the bar for like 21 years, and my brother and I opened a a little bar that you guys know and I assume love called Best Intentions in Logan Square, Humboldt Park area. Um, and we were forced to close uh, for obvious reasons. And we are currently remaining closed in spite of the fact that everyone else is uh, thinking we're cool to open. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Cause I know that we entered, I don't know, a phase. Or phase four was started today officially. I think. Where we're allowed to have like eat inside and, all that yeah. Stuff. Yeah, we're um I mean we've been, you know, just sort of independently watching uh the the reports, not necessarily like the headlines you get from from a CNN or a New York Times or a Fox News or whoever you listen to. We've just been watching like the actual reports um as far as the numbers go and keeping an eye on the science and we feel like it's a pretty clear-cut situation in which um the numbers aren't really actually down. And we're not implementing yet any of the things that are pretty clear cut recommendations with regards to making things safer. So we don't feel like anything is even 1% different than March 16th, other than the fact that people are stir crazy and the government wants to fire up the economy. So, you know, we've looked at, uh, you look at countries that got their, their, their shit under control, places like New Zealand and Iceland and, you know, even uh, scary places like North Korea um, or China. Um, and I'm not like sitting on the sidelines rooting for authoritarian countries, but like what these places are doing is really clear cut. And like the science says, if you test to a certain percentage of your population on a daily basis and you see the percentage of positive tests fall into a particular threshold, and then you also implement like highly regimented 
and reliable contact tracing that you can put this, like you can get it under control. And even though it's still scary and the virus is still out there, you can get it under control and you can actually dwindle it. You know, New Zealand hit the news and said, we don't have it. Um, and they took two cases in through their airport and the guy in charge of the country came out and made a formal apology because two people on the entire continent tested positive. Meanwhile, we're doing dick and just opening bars. So <laughs> like that's, that's where we're at as far as like, you know, we're not sitting around uh, playing scaredy cat and, and waiting for a vaccine. We're not saying that you can't serve drinks at a bar until we're all immune or until we can be close to immune or whatever. We're literally saying we haven't done anything or nearly enough. Um, and that we think the motivations for reopening the economy are incorrect. Um, and that people like you and people like us, we work in some of the most high risk like environments that you could possibly work in. Gyms and bars are incredibly similar in that respect. Um, and for the most part, we put ourselves at risk for something that is not truly essential because they're not giving us a choice. And right now we're fortunate enough to be able to take out a loan and have a choice. So we choose debt over death, not to be dramatic, but um, we, yeah. choose de we choose debt over putting our employees at risk, over putting our customers at risk and over putting ourselves at risk. So that's kind of the, the short form version of why there's no best intentions right now. Well, and I think that's especially true in um, not just the restaurant industry, but in like the hospitality industry as a whole, because it has traditionally and continues to be such a um, safe haven as far as like places that um, like our immigrants can find work. Um, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of these people aren't eligible for um, unemployment, not eligible for benefits. Um, and so I, I mean, I know that a lot of the people in our industry are suffering financially um, right now. We are privileged and lucky enough to that Christopher and I both have been able to, you know, get on unemployment and continue. Um, my company has continued to pay my health insurance. So uh, I feel extremely fortunate for all of that. But I know there are a lot of people who desperately need to go back to work. So finding the balance of like, how do you get those people back to work so that they can be financially stable um, while still like protecting them um, and, you know, protecting the population at, at large. Yeah. It's a hard question. Um, along those lines, um, there's been a ton of stuff, at least in Chicago. Um, I saw there's this Instagram account, the 86th list of all these uh, reports of management in these different uh, bars and restaurants and um, being pretty terrible in addition to, you know, being out of business and basically forcing people who um, don't have insurance and can't afford to pay for, you know, rent, having to force them come back to work. What have you guys kind of thought about what's happening with that right now? I'm curious. Uh, Kevin, you want to go first? Um, no, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, there's, there's a bunch of different sides on this, I think. Um, you know, within my online social group, you know, we've been, 
I've been pretty touch and go with social media throughout all this because there's been a lot of extra poison on social media, um, even more so than usual. Um, there's also a lot of stuff to sort through and try to find out what's true and what's not. So I have seen within my social group people asking, like seeking out, like, do we know of employers who are essentially doing the wrong thing, right? Not treating people properly, not uh, taking their safety as their highest priority. Um, and honestly, for the most part, what I've been seeing is that people are not coming up with, um, with examples of like that sort of capital E evil necessarily. Um, there are the, the next level down from that is the people who are saying, we're going to open and you won't have a job if you don't come back now. Now that brings up the other side of this or another side of this question, which is um, business, small business owners for the most part are literally being asked to decide between saving their business or saving the lives of the people who work there, which is a completely unfair and unnecessary question, right? So like if we didn't get a loan to continue to pay our fixed costs while we're closed, then we would have to decide to either endanger everyone who works there, including ourselves, um, or lose our business that we spent our entire lives working to get. Um, that's not a fair place to be. And also not a place that like, that's what government is for. We should be able to keep people from dying so that they can reopen their businesses later because their businesses are part of the economy. So I have a hard time being hypercritical of employers who are saying, I'm going to lose my business if I don't do this, where the where you end up crossing the line, I think, is if you base your ability to reopen on your employees and your employees alone. And the only motivation that you have is to save your own ass. Right. Um, like, I would like to think that if we couldn't have gotten a loan, that we would have said this sucks, but we lost best intentions. At least no one died. Um, but I can't be critical of someone who is in that position and chooses to make a different decision. The only thing that really matters is, are they reporting these people to the unemployment bureau? Are they blocking them from being able to maintain an unemployment income? And so far I haven't seen anyone doing that, which I think is really wonderful. Cause you know, if I, if I tell my staff that we're going to reopen and then they turn me down and then I report to the unemployment bureau that they quit their job, then they can no longer get unemployment. Like this is all just, you know, basic, horribly run social services. So um, I don't know of anyone going that far quite yet, but I do know that people have taken out, um, you know, loans that are based on requiring their staff to come back and they've done so without checking on checking with their staff to find out if they're okay with that. And to me, that stuff is, is pretty unfair. But again, who knows how we all react when you get into a place of total panic and you're about to lose your entire livelihood and maybe, you know, the, the little box on a corner that represents your life's dream, right? I mean, I, don't, I can't say for sure that I'd be a good person in that perspective or that situation. I'd like to think I would be. Um, but also, correct me if I'm wrong, the 86 list is also, and these are the two intertwined issues, they're hitting hard on on the social side of this as well, right? I mean, with the Black Lives Matter movement, like what's happening with a lot of the 86 list is um, people coming out and talking about uh, terrible social practices. Yeah, yeah, for yes? sure. 
And I think, you know, those two things are unrelated. I mean, I think it's great that everybody finally had the balls to come out and say that the owner of restaurant A or restaurant B has been a racist piece of (laughs) shit for so many years and that they forced these places to close. I think that's fucking awesome. Um, But I don't like they're they're related in time, but they're not really related. You know what I mean? Um, And last thing, it's hard for me too. And my brother and I bicker about this, honestly, because Calvin gets into a perspective of, uh, you know, we can't, uh, we can't, we can't victim shame and we can't, um, you know, these are, these are really, really touchy, serious topics, but best intentions has reviews out there that say that we won't serve fat people, that we won't serve Indian people, that we won't serve Asian people. There are reviews online posted about us, about, you know, uh, discriminatory behavior that are literally falsehoods because someone waited two minutes for a PBR instead (laughs) of three minutes for a PBR. And, and so even though I, I'm not, I don't want to, this isn't trying to say that the person who says something happened to them is lying. I wasn't there and I don't know. And until we actually do some sort of investigation, Something like the 86 list can also be kind of frightening if you're a business owner. Because you don't, I mean, people can accuse you of whatever they want to accuse you of. And this isn't me being like, I'm scared. But I'm saying even for you guys, like, Alex, you could be leading a class and some prissy white lady could be like, you know, he's a good trainer, but clearly he focuses more time on minorities. She could just say that and put it online. And then... You know, what do you do? So the the 86 list frightens me a little bit because it's not a court of law and no evidence is required. It's it's online hearsay, which is also part of the worst or or rather it's, you know, yes, it's part of the worst of what happens online these days. So I I worry about that, too, because everybody everybody's shaming everybody right now. Yeah, it's like the worst parts of Yelp taken to the (laughs) degree. Yeah. Um, for sure but right now I mean if somebody come, you know we, we got a Yelp review that said we won't serve uh, overweight people um, people can take it or leave it as they want it but right now in this day and age if somebody said I went to best intentions one time and the bartender whose name I don't remember who was a white guy with glasses clearly hates black people like someone can just type that onto the internet right, yeah. And with that one right now, there's no pause. There's no, you know, and this is true of, of all kinds of things, but like that is like the hottest of hot button issues right now. And for good reason, but it really lets people just kind of throw caution to the wind as far as accusing people. Of things, yeah. You know, I, I think that like we can all agree. Well, at least everybody in this conversation right now, um, <laughs> That, like, the time of reckoning is well overdue, and it's, like, it feels incredible um, just to, like, be a part of a moment that I think will become a turning point in history. At least I hope so. Um, But, like, how do we move forward with that, especially in the, like, technology age that we live in? Um, Like, how do we do this responsibly? Uh, and I have no idea what the answer to that is. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's really difficult. I mean, you guys are a Black-owned business. Like, how do you, do you have the same fears about how you handle, um, 
like how you handle your front facing perspective on something that's so clear cut? Um, I don't really, I can't say we do stress out about it too much. I mean, I feel like throughout everything that's going on, I've been very, um, you know, with obviously George Floyd, we're um, very kind of reserved. I'm somebody who always kind of sits back and I guess I very rarely have a knee jerk reaction to anything. So just in kind of trying to sit back and really like look at everything from all angles and look at always kind of the long-term effects um, of things. So I've always kind of like been kind of very pensive in anything I say about any topic. So I think for this, it's just been a matter of, okay, how do I really feel? All right, let me stop, take 10 minutes, catch my breath and not just, spout out like my immediate emotions about things, but then share openly and honestly, like once I've thought things through, all right, kind of, this is how I feel. And it's, it's, it's fair for you to disagree with me. It's totally fine. But kind of like, this is who we are. This is who Paramount is. Um, and if, if you're offended by like me saying black lives matter, like, so be it. Like, I'm not overly worried about that. Gotcha. I, you know, my, my question was almost more sourced from the side of, I mean, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a fucking white male. Like I'm as privileged mm-hmm. as they come. And I can tell you that I didn't grow up with money. I didn't grow up with whatever, but like the, the country and the world is designed for me to get where I got. Um, and like, I've always recognized like my privilege, not necessarily correctly and maybe not sufficiently, but when all of this started to come to a head as it well should you know, we had a bit of a, um, we had like some serious contemplation because it's very, the fear I was talking about was the fact that like, it's really hard not to say the wrong thing, even if you're saying the right thing in the right way, even if you're using the right words and you stand for the right thing. If you're a white male that owns a business, it's pretty easy to come under crazy fire. And we, for the most part, when it started, we're like, look, best intentions is a stupid bar on a stupid corner in a stupid city. And it doesn't matter. We don't have a voice in this. We don't deserve to have a voice in this. And we just need to quietly do the things that we want to do to support the movement. But we don't need to be out there like, what if I say something and it comes across like I'm trying to use the movement for advertising? You know what I mean? Like I worry about taking advantage of something that's socially and societally important because it looks like my business can benefit from it. Like we were just twisted up in knots for days about it. And then I started getting messages from people inside of the business and outside of the business who were hitting us with, you know, um, Silence is complicity. I mean, that was like the biggest thing for a week, right? If you're white and you don't speak, then you're just as bad as a murderer. And it got real heated out there. So we did end up making a statement because it got to a place where we felt like if we didn't make a statement, everyone had decided that we agreed with the wrong side, <laughs> which is crazy to me. And I, and I think that like stepping back, like Alex was saying, being sensible, like we're all saying is super important. But, you know, I guess I flip that back on you guys. Like, if, if, if Best Intentions hadn't said something, you know, issued a statement as if we're 
putting out a press release. We're posting on Facebook <laughs> and Instagram, uh, like which drives me insane because people put the uh, importance level on that so high. But I'm, but quite honestly, if we had never said anything and we just remained quiet the entire time, would you guys have been disappointed in us? I wouldn't have been personally. Me either. Because these okay. things are happening, and you know, people making statements. I appreciate it. It's awesome. It's it's cool to see the support. You know, for me, none of this is anything new. Like none of this shocks me. It was sad to actually watch the video of what happened of him being murdered. Um, like the outrage, you know, the outrage, like oh my gosh, and like this happened. Time. Like none of that is anything new to me. But, you know, it's for sure. So I, my thought is always, and the way my brain works is always like, all right, cool. There's the hearing now, and there's the signs and their support and the protest, which is all awesome. And it seems like it's hopefully going to bring about some, at least an examination of some policies and some change on the higher level. But like, ultimately my thing is like, who are you as a person, A, and then B, like what in the bigger picture can we do to actually make change as far as, yeah. as, far as helping people it's less about um, you know one sign or one post or even one protest although those things are all awesome and all needed at this time um, my mind yeah. goes to like alright bigger picture what can I do that's going to last because those things can sometimes I mentioned be you know more emotion based in my mind immediately goes to all right let's turn off the emotion and not and think about the bigger picture how we can make change more long term and on a larger scale so what socially do you need to do what socially do i need to do um to make things a things a better place aside from just giving support and making signs and Posting a black square. Going to rally. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're posting a black square and ruining everything that everyone was trying to do. I know. Um, and it was interesting because the whole the whole white silence is white violence thing lasted for about mm, 72 hours. And then it immediately turned into, all right, all you assholes who said something, what are you doing, though? And my whole thing is like, like do you guys post about every time you make a charitable contribution? Us? No, I hardly ever post about the actions that we're taking. Yeah. Neither do we. And like, you know, everyone, whatever, we've all done things. We've all donated money. We've all, you know, I mean, whatever anyone has done is fine by me as long as they're doing it for the right reasons. But it, you know, the shame went from if you're not speaking up, you're evil. And then it went into thanks for speaking up, but that ain't good enough. So what did you do? And I can't get to a place where I feel like as a as an individual or as a business that we need to be bragging about what we're doing i don't need it comes across like bragging to me here's exactly how much i care about black people and exactly what day i donated that yeah. money on like i just think that's a real slippery slope and a real dangerous path and you have to you have to experience the world with more nuance than and that yeah. and i can add that like personally for me like i'm just I mean, I come from this as a place of bias. We all come from everywhere as a place of bias, but like, I'm not a social media person. You know, I've got, I've got an Instagram account. I have a Twitter account. I almost never use them. I don't post the, like, and so 
there was this incredible amount of shaming that started to go on about like, you know, what are you saying? What are you doing? Did you post a black square? How dare you post a black square with the hashtag? And it just like, I started to like <laughs> become very overwhelmed because I just personally don't think like, I don't, I'm not a person who really likes social media and I definitely don't think it's a platform for a conversation that's this complex. And you just can't, you can't like solve the world with like a picture or uh, I don't have any idea how many characters you can use in Twitter now, but like whatever that is. <laughs> and and then, you know, I, I had to call a friend of mine and just be like, am I, like, I'm freaking out. I'm overwhelmed. Um, she was like, I think you need to just not look at that. And you never post on social media anyway. So just stay the fuck off of there. Yeah. So, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's a good idea. That's, that's an excellent plan. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I mean, listen, I, these types of conversations, the ones that we're having, the ones that a lot of people are having right now, are the types of things that matter and that need to happen because they're uncomfortable and they're weird. Like in our friend group, we have these kinds of conversations all the time, right? I mean, even, even wacky old Dave Hersey can talk about race openly and grow as a person on a daily basis, but not everybody has a group of friends like that. Not everybody has, you know, uh, a safe space, I guess, conversationally to have those types of conversations. I mean, honestly, I'm mind blown by the fact that we're allowed to say black again, because we've been training ourselves <laughs> for the last 25 years to say African-American. We can't even call black people, black people. We can call white people, white people. I call myself a white person all the time. I make jokes about white people all the time because we're terrible, <laughs> but we're not even allowed to call black people, black people. And honestly, that was a breath of fresh air that opened up the conversation. You know, I heard about it um, honestly on sports radio. I listened to a college basketball coach who said all these statements from all of these white coaches in the same like conference that I'm in are lovely, but you ever notice that none of them actually talk about black people. And this is a black man, a coach, a successful guy. And he was like, look, they are millionaires. They have generational wealth built quite literally on the black, on the backs of black athletes. And they won't even say the word black people out loud. And when I heard that on sports radio, I was like, wow, this is fantastic. We can actually talk about stuff now. Like if a college basketball coach is saying white people got to get off their ass and talk, like that's, that's great news, I think. And these types of conversations are great news. Yeah, they are great. They should be, you know, a little bit uncomfortable. If they're comfortable, you're probably not doing it right. But of course, for sure. Again, my hope is that they continue. Um, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm optimistic about most things in life and in the world. This is one of the things I'm not super optimistic about just based on my experiences. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hope this is, this is a step in the right direction and we can have more of these conversations more on a conversational level and less on a, I guess, social media, I don't know how you would describe it level. Um, and figure out things we can do, you know, A, on this kind of one-to-one -one side, but then also like in the bigger picture on the policy side and kind of on the changing um, legislation slide uh, to change things. And I guess we'll see. 
Definitely. Well, and I think, you know, I think you're right. And that's an unpopular opinion because most people are saying, you know, we're protesting in the streets and we want to see all these things changed now. And the pragmatists, you know, someone like yourself who just said what you said, you're not like assuming that we're just going to reform the United States police at large in the next six weeks. I think you're right. But I also like, I have to sympathize with the people that are like, well, then we should just keep protesting until we can. Um, But the realistic side of it is that that's not how change works. And then I go right back around to why not? (laughs) Well, loop this back around to some health and fitness stuff, because that was actually perfect. It's like (laughs) trying to... We, uh, you know, lose some LBs or change your diet or get jacked and have that like six pack abs. <laughs> it's like small, sustainable changes over time is really what it's all about, right? I love it, No, that's that's remarkably well done, and you're absolutely correct. I, but like. You know, you can hear the voice on the other side already just saying, like, sure, I hear you, but people are being murdered. Sure. They're not just they're not just being fat. <laughs> well, wow. I sound like an <laughs> asshole now. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not like my, this is but this has become yeah. my game. My game is like, what's the worst devil's advocate? And that's not devil's advocate. But I mean, like every time, you know, I'm going to say something as a business. I'm like, all right, where's it coming back from the other side? And when, you know, we used the, when we posted about the protests and posted in support of the movement and in support of everything that's going on, you know, the third comment we got, we used the word peaceful in, in our post, peaceful protests. Um, and the third comment we got was as a white person, it's like, it's, it's absolutely depressing that you only support peaceful protests. That's a weak position to take. Like we got admonished. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, and I kind of like, I had the word peaceful in there and I, Calvin and I talked about it and I knew something was coming, but I was like, you know, I do like, we do support people, peaceful protests and we do understand that violence is required sometimes, but we're not out here saying, let's get out there and smash windows. So if you want to yell at us, you can, yeah, we, you know, we're not responding, but I'm just saying, no matter what you say, no matter how well-meaning you are, somebody's going to be like, oh, only peaceful protests. You <laughs> Should have checked with me first, Chris. I would have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but listen, man, I stand with, like, I stand with all, a lot of other people who will tell you that, like, that the point of that is, is exactly correct. If we could enact change through peaceful protests, then great. If you have to, if violence has to happen, cool. If you're having a peaceful protest and you just decide to smash windows, that's on you. That's not what I'm yeah. supporting. And then you flip it around to like, what, you want these violent protests that are actually infiltrated by white supremacists? What are you supporting, sir? Like, you can't, it's, it's the same tie yourself up in knots game. Because, you know, the most reports are that the violence in the protests was created by the people that we're fighting against. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also, yeah. it's all distracting obviously. then. It just distracts you from the purpose. Yeah. And yeah. Listen, to make change. Got, if, like, can people who are suffering feel you posting a black square in your Facebook page? Right. 
can they feel your sign in the window? Like, that's great, and that's awesome. If your sign in the window leads to change in, again, policy and, like, how things are handled and how people are treated, like, great, but ultimately, kind of, can they, can they feel that? Can they feel that? Can they actually benefit that? And that's more of, I guess, in my brain, what I'm in this whole situation, like, what I'm thinking about for what you guys can do and what I can do, like, all right, how can I do stuff that people actually feel that will actually make change aside from the motions of my anger, my outrage, my frustration. Um, well, yeah. and, you know, situation that's not new. That's happened a million times. It'll probably happen a million times again, but like, how do we work towards having it, making it happen less, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm with you. And to, to, you know, just loop back around to Megan's loop around. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because like the, the the steps that you have to do to actually like change your body, yourself, the world are small. And in the end, like they're a little boring, you know, like yeah. it's it's hard, tedious work that takes effort over and over again. But you just got to like get up every day and be like, OK, take the next step, take yeah. the next step. Um, and I'm going to say something that I've thought in my brain and haven't said out loud because I'm sure it'll make all of my young friends really mad but like I got I had a moment where I was like all right I I get it guys this is your fucking walk on part of the war moment like and that's great it's great that you feel like you're a part of something and that like you're going to bed happy at night but like this is this is going to be a process and like don't burn yourselves out yet because this is going to take a lot of work and it's going to take every day getting up and being like, okay, what's the next step? Yeah, that's a good way to burn it is burnout. And the other thing you have with a lot of these things, I can't remember what I was listening to that was talking about burnout um, with all of this, just being like, all right, I'm going to watch, you know, every movie Netflix recommends to like educate myself on everything. And I'm going to, you know, watch every pod, listen to every podcast and listen to every TED talk, like the next week and a half, and then burn out, and then, like, in a month, like, I'm done with this, and it's, like, normal. It's kind of, kind of, kind of bringing that background to fitness. Yeah. They'd be like, all right, I'm going to work out for, like, three hours on Monday, three hours on Tuesday. Right. I'm just going to go as hard as I can. (laughs) Like, for, like, three weeks, I might make some progress, but then I'm just going to be done, and I'm just burnt out, and it's, like, back to normal. So, like, kind of trying to not scale it back, but like look to the long term. Definitely. Listen, this is why I have not worked out in like four months, you guys. I'm looking at the big <laughs> picture. I'm trying to make sure I got the stamina for the long run. You know, I don't want to burn out. Um, that's a great time. Let's talk a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't want to cut off this like really awesome conversation, but let's talk a little bit about your time at Paramount and how that has worked for you before coronavirus. Kevin, okay. go for it. Um, well, um, so how many how many years have we been going? It's been um, uh, before the stop. Three? Three or four? Three. Three, going on three in January? Three and a half. Three so in January. Three okay. Um, so, you know, I guess 
know, as a as a backstory for anyone who's listening, which is I don't know who. <laughs> um, no, just my mom. We, just Alex's mom. <laughs> okay, great. Hi, Alex's mom. Um, uh, you know, we started as a as a group um, of bartender and service industry people. Um, it took, I think, about two years of you guys pressuring us to uh, come in and try and work on our bodies uh, as as people just d- due to the nature of the jobs that we do. We all have repetitive motion injuries. Um, we have a lot of like similar injuries. We don't tend to have the best sleep schedules. We don't tend to take the best care of ourselves as a as a group at large on average. I know some people who are great about it, but a lot of us not so good. Um, so we, yeah, we signed on for six weeks every once a week, just on Monday afternoons. Um, and then three years later, uh, we're still going. There's been a pause right now, but um, we hope to get back to it. And as far as like my own personal journey, um, I grew up being very active, athletic. I was a dancer. Um, I was always very focused on on my body and my movement work. Um, as I got older, I got away from that a little bit. Um, but even at like the height of my um, dance career, and you know, being a young twenty-something, super skinny, eat whatever you want person. Um, I was never, I've never been as strong as I have gotten over the three years that I've started hanging out with you guys. Um, and that is a very empowering and amazing feeling. Heck yeah. Love that. Chris, do you want to talk at all? Oh, for sure. I mean, like my, my history with you guys is, is obviously like pretty much identical to Kevlin's. Um, and I'll say, you know, I've done, I've done less than she's done uh, by a, by a large amount. She ended up upgrading to coming to see you guys three days a week. Um, I stayed at the the one day a week level and the generally unhealthy lifestyle that I've always had with the shitty hours and too much alcohol and you know questionable food decisions. Um, and while I did not like have some miraculous you know body transformation, which is entirely my fault what did happen for me is exactly what she said with regards to strength and also just overall correction of my body i mean there's probably not a week that goes by at the bar where one of us says well shit i couldn't have done that if we weren't doing those workouts you know i had i had a sizable back surgery when i was 26 years old i've suffered from lower back pain for my entire life for the most part since i was 18 Um, and I have been, unless I do something really stupid, I've basically been pain free in my back and without any sciatic side effects. Like I, you know, I had the surgery, the surgery saved my, my physical life, no question, but I continued to have constant pain that I got used to. I took 800 milligrams ibuprofen every single day for probably, oh, I don't know. 15 years I just took it getting out of bed because then I didn't have to deal with it um within five or six months of coming to see you guys I stopped taking daily uh daily ibuprofen completely 
I go through almost every day of my life with no back pain at all. Um, constantly think about just like physical correctives that you guys have taught us. And I mean, it was even with like taking a large break due to whatever version of depression I'm having from this whole viral situation. Um, you know, I, I don't like looking at myself in a mirror, but that's on me. Uh, but my back feels great. And I, to this day can still, you know, I can lift more, I can carry more. I'm, it was life altering even at one day a week. So my goal is to become a millionaire and do nothing but train with you guys <laughs> so that I, so that, so that I can stick to this whole retirement plan, but also have money <laughs> and look. Um, but it has like, no, like no, no bullshit. And we say this to all, all people, like this is not something we say to praise you guys, but you know this and you probably see it because you, we watch us at work, but um, it was, it was life altering to the way my body deals with day to day. Um, and I had never done any type of, uh, any type of like physical exercise that was guided before. And it made all the difference in the world. Cool. That's awesome. I didn't know all that about your back and ibuprofen. That's, that's impressive. Um, yeah, I was, I literally was when I, I mean, I was out of work, um, but I, I spent a year, uh, an entire calendar year where I literally, uh, I laid, that's how I do graphic design. Um, I had to start a graphic design business from a laptop in my bed because uh, I would lay in bed, I would crawl to the toilet, I would crawl to the kitchen. Like I was out, it was, it was unbearable, horrifying pain. And I ended up having to get surgery with like money I borrowed from like my mom and my grandmother there was just no other way around it but yeah at 26 I had basically the majority of the um uh what L3 L4 L5 S1 discs removed because they were fully extruded and I was just like completely fucked so it's remarkable that I do what I do now with no pain even just getting out of bed that's awesome and you know a fun fact uh, is that there is one uh, tiny remnant from um, left over from that period in his life, which is that uh, the ibuprofen in our house, um, which we neither of us take regularly, <laughs> is still kept in a like a basically a candy jar um, next to his bed, like on the bedside <laughs> table. That is where the ibuprofen lives. Um, he no longer gets up and takes it every day, but it's still there. That's where you go to get it if you have a headache. <laughs> uh, it's been that way forever. People would walk into my house and think I was like the world's worst alcoholic because I have this massive glass jar with like a thousand ibuprofen pills in it directly next to my bedside table lamp because I would just wake up, take it, wait a half hour, and then start <laughs> my day. Cool. So you're coming to Paramount, you know, once a week, but obviously in like, Thinking more holistically, aside from just working out, what else do you guys do just for like stress management or like to find joy or to relax? Like, what else is there aside from obviously working out with us because we're awesome? But like, what else do you guys do for like, <laughs> stretch relief? Um, generally speaking, or in the time of COVID? So, let's say just generally speaking, <laughs> as opposed to everything going on right now is a little bit different than normal. Um, a once a lifetime like situation right now. I would say in in pre pre quarantine life, 
Um, honestly, and like, whatever, I'm slightly ashamed to admit this, but it is the truth. Like, our when people ask Christopher what our hobbies are, it's going out, <laughs> um, checking out restaurants we haven't been to or ones that we love that we've been to a thousand times. Like, we like to eat out. We like to drink. Nice. Um, yeah, that's kind of our main shared hobby. Um, so the it's time true. of COVID I mean, there, has been a... interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, has, it, it definitely has. Um, you know, I mean, I think we both have traditional things. Like we both, we both like to read. We watch both good and terrible TV like everybody else. Um, you know, like as, as 50s as it sounds, like homemaking is kind of a game we like <laughs> to play. Um, you know, we have like, uh, we both have, artistic outlets that have uh i don't know because because both of us pursued arts of different kinds previously earlier in our lives and and we don't pursue them as heavily anymore um so yeah i mean no question booze and food is kind of our primary form of stress relief and entertainment um you know i do my fair share of video games uh kevlin doesn't really accept we got a switch today so life's gonna change (laughs) I'm very excited um, for my new video game. And yeah, we've taken on like, you know, indoor horticulture. We do a lot of plant stuff that we love. Yeah, um, I would say yeah, plants and, are you know, definitely a big a big one for me on the stress relief kind of thing. <laughs> tending tending to my little green friends. Sorry, I'm laughing about plants because yeah. Megan and I kill everything. We're really bad. We're not good at the plants. We're not very hard. Up until seven years ago, I could not keep something alive no matter how hard I tried. As far as the thing that, like, if you weren't, if you didn't have fur and tell me when you were hungry or like, look at me, then I, you were going to be dead if you came into my house. Yeah. So there's hope. (laughs) All right. So any tips you have would be uh, appreciated. We can definitely help. My dad, my dad was a was a like horticulture major in college. He's he's one of those just like naturally gifted, like the plants talk to him type of people. So after all these years, we've kind of learned to to talk to the plants yeah. a little bit. Um, and the easiest thing to, I think, the biggest lesson you learn from someone like that is it isn't that hard. Don't make it so hard. And also don't like, don't be too dramatic about it. You know what I mean? Sometimes plants die. So see you later, get a new plant, try again. Like it. Yeah, we'll try again. for sure. All right. I will, I will admit that I get more attached <laughs> to the plants than CRISPR does. I get, I get yeah. that when we lose them. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes I'm like, we can get another one that looks just like that. That isn't dead. <laughs> But to be, for just, like, you know, to advocate on my side here, we have had several, like, Lazarus, Phoenix, rising from the dead plant moments, where Chris was just like, throw that in the garbage, that thing's dead, and I was like, no, it's not, (laughs) we can bring it back. It's very true. Kevin's Kevin's, uh, happier to suffer through a a seemingly empty pot with a tiny sprout in it than I am because I'm willing to just take another shot on somebody who's really pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Which speaks really well for our relationship in the long run. (laughs) You're never going to be an empty pot. (laughs) 
if I ever, if you get, if you guys ever walk into the bar and you say, how is it going? And I say, I don't know, Kevin's kind of an empty pot. Then just fire me as a friend. And then do Kevin and Kevin immediately. <laughs> Megan's got some rapid fire questions here, so uh, let's jump into this. Weirdest thing someone has asked you while working or asked you to make while working? Um, yeah, see, I told you I was going to be bad at rapid fire. Uh, so, Chris, I know someone asked you to make a drink that tasted like unicorns or something like that, or rainbows, or butterflies. Yeah, I guess it, none of that strikes me as, like, yeah. actually weird, you know? I mean, like, we take that, like, that kind of stuff all the, all the time. I, I'll give you an answer to a question that you didn't ask. Sweet, How do you like that? I love it. The weirdest drink I ever made for someone was when uh, one of the world's foremost whiskey experts um, who lives here in Chicago asked me to make a cocktail that was a bit smoky, but with no limitations whatsoever. And I, in fact, built her cocktail and then I went outside and smoked a cigarette, but the last drag of the cigarette I held in my mouth and then I brought it back inside the bar and I exhaled it into her glass. And then I poured the drink into her glass. And to this day, she tells that story and says it's one of the finest drinks she's ever had. I love it. <laughs> so that's the weirdest thing I've ever done, but not, okay. not been asked. I feel like, I'm yeah. People, you know, people ask the yeah. same stuff. And like, what's your what's your favorite exercise to do? You do exercises all the time. They're all the same. Kettlebell swings. <laughs> um, I'm I'm also going to pivot my answer slightly askew to the question, which is uh, the creepiest thing that anyone ever asked me was um, a man asked me if I could fit in the glass. Ooh. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's exactly the reaction I had, too. It's like, and we're done here, sir. I know. All right. (laughs) If you were to be inside of a movie, so the theme, the clothes, the music, the vibe, what movie would you pick at this moment? Yeah, so less about the actual plot, just the world, being in that world. Um, oh, my, I was gonna questions. say, Kevin, you go first. These kind of questions. This is gonna be really fun for me. Um, my answer is the same as the last time you asked me this question, and might always be the same. And it's Spirited Away. Love it. Yeah, magic bathhouse filled with like Japanese like river spirits and shit. That that's my jam. That is where I would like to live. Excellent. I might like just sort of steal from you on that and say kill bill because holy shit are we having a gigantic storm in just one side um, of our yard the right outside now? looks crazy right now i don't know what's going on it is really- yeah but only on the west only on the west side of the building the east side of the building yep. going dry. um okay um i say kill bill only because of the anime reference but everything's like pretty cool and badass and if i could if i could actually pull it off which i highly doubt i would love to be in a situation where um where i look that cool in a real outfit that was meant for a cartoon got it cool i like it all right 
if this storm coming through right now was actually the start of zombie apocalypse and you had to like take some action tonight, what's the first move you're going to take? Go to the bar, put as much booze as we can into the car because that is going to be very good for bartering at a later time. Um, That could just be our currency. Uh, And then um, get out of the city as fast as possible, hopefully in the car and go to, uh, Christopher's mom's house in Wisconsin, Random Lake, where there are lots of guns. Yeah, it's about a two-hour drive to, yeah, it's about a two-hour drive to a really quality zombie apocalypse location. I still stand by the fact that our building and the manner in which it's fenced and where it's located is a pretty quality zombie, like, For sure. If we had to make a stand here, our house would definitely be where I'd want to be. I'd agree with you. Yeah, but and you but guys could come. Tim has. Oh, we're, we're coming. Uh, yeah, you guys. <laughs> yeah, as long as long as you're not yeah. zombies, you yeah. can come. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, this is a this is a pretty okay place to be. However, when you get to Mom and Tim's, you have more space, and also you have multiple guns and tons of ammunition, and also he's a prepper, so there's plenty. All of right. So there. whoever's driving to the bar to get the booze, the other person is reaching out to Alex and I to get the coordinates to get out to the farm. I think you just yeah, meet I was about us at the say, bar you just get in the bar, you just get to the bar and then you get in the car with us. All right, that's a better plan. I like it. Yeah. Well, zombie apocalypse though, I think they should bring their car as well because multiple vehicles yeah, are helpful. That's true. You know, also backup yeah. plan we need extra vehicles. if there if it's not possible to escape the city in a car, which very, very reasonable that it would not be. Um, we have discussed that the most efficient exit plan, because you got to get out of an urban center, you know, um, uh, most efficient exit plan is stealing a boat and taking it down the Chicago River. Yeah, and we've we've rented the electric little electric boats on on the Chicago River before, and I think it'd be pretty easy to hotwire. Although it's probably only going to make it a couple of miles and then run out of battery power, so it's probably but an awful you could, plan. But stealing you a boat could and get the river far is... enough away that then you could make a play on foot or bicycle or whatever, or steal somebody else's car. Yeah, in a pinch. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. It's it is. It would probably be yeah. the the best way to just get the fuck out of the city. All right. For sure. By the way, what is your what is your zombie plan? By the way, oh, okay. Alice has over to our house. Grab our bug out bag and come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been fascinated by preppers for years. So like maybe like nine months ago, I got really drunk, and just like took like a deep dive into the interwebs and started like researching some shit. Like, all right, here's what I need for a bug out bag. So I've slowly been buying some stuff, and we do have a bug out bag. <laughs> Nice. It has a hand crank radio and MREs and some other stuff that I didn't explore too much. Uh, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. The basics, nothing crazy. Just the basics. Nothing crazy. <laughs> Just the huge. Well the joke the joke we the joke we always make about my mom's husband is that uh, he's got like like a ten year supply of tampons. That's how far <laughs> ahead he's thought about prepping for an apocalypse. He's on it. On it. Yeah. Yeah, not just for bleeding out, but because he expects that there will be women who need sure. to hang out. All right, I think I need to... Yeah, update. I was about to say, I think the 10-year um, estimation is based on the fact that, like, Meg and Marty and I 
both have spots <laughs> have been have been graciously allowed. Well, I mean, Megan, I think was was a shoe in, but like <laughs> I I knew that I was really a part of the family the day that Tim pulled me aside and was like, just so you know, I got you've you got a spot. Yeah, <laughs> you're in. I got enough tampons for you. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, we're going to end with one final question. So we're calling our whole little world um, Boomerang. And we'd love for you to Mm kind of throw it to the next person we should interview. And maybe why, if you have somebody in mind. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, you know, my gut says get Hersey on here because that's nonstop entertainment. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I mean, within our friend group, then I'm like, oh, man, maybe you should get Ben and Holly on here because, like, they, you know, barely knew each other and then hold up together. So that's a good story. All right. I'm going to challenge uh, you to think um, in your industry. I was about to say, if, if you know, you're doing the boomerang thing and you want to stick to hospitality industry people, um, Frankie. What's Frankie? That? My Frankie? Frankie, you're Frankie. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, Frankie would be an excellent interview. If it's, I would if it's, not, if it's not Frank, because, well, I mean, Pito, obviously, but Frankie's in Florida, so that's an interesting perspective. Um, and he moved right before we, this all went down. Mm-hmm. But also, do we, do we want to Instead of Frankie, do we want to throw out PK? Because PK's a oh, good Oh, you know what? That, I think, is going to be my number one vote. PK is a, a perfect person because he also is in the situation where he just moved to New York right before this happened. He is in Brooklyn in, like, the center of one of the hottest hotspots. Um, and he's had a fucking hell of a time. And he's remarkably easygoing and entertaining, and he would totally do this with you guys, and he'll make for way better radio <laughs> than we did, or than I did. Yeah, he's way more fun than us. All right. So I don't believe it. Yeah, no, you guys are fantastic. You guys are the best. <laughs> you're going to connect us with PK. We're going to do another interview. Um, anything you want to leave us with before we sign off? Christopher? Oh, God damn it. I'll wait on you. <laughs> the answer can be no, too. <laughs> um I uh I don't know. Like serious stuff or not serious? Not stuff? serious stuff. Come on. How often are we serious? Oh, well then all right. Uh well then I'll leave you with two things. One, I'm improving my skills at Madden and I'm disappointed that I haven't lost you yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I've been practicing and I've improving my skills. My run game's picking up, um, and my ultimate team is starting to grow. Uh, number two, I think we should kill this podcast so we can get on the phone and do shots because I'm, I'm sure we're not supposed to do shots on the podcast. Um, right? We'll do uh, social shots after we end this podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Fan. Okay. Well, then that's that's where I leave you. I am ready to get my ass whooped at Madden and let's do social Love shots it. after this. Ready to whoop your ass. Let's do it. Bring it. Thanks, let's go. guys. This is awesome. We'll talk to you guys Thank soon. You. Bye. Bye. Love you. Okay. Bye. Yeah.